Today we come to the end of a 10-week series that has taken us through parts of the Old Testament books of 1st and 2nd Kings. We've called this series, Once Upon a Time, Ancient Stories, Ageless Truths. So we've looked at some old stories, some of these stories uh, I said to you from the beginning, go back as far as a thousand years before Christ. And uh, some of these stories that we've talked about were familiar to some of you and, and others maybe were not. In fact, uh, some of these stories might have been uh, stories that were really kind of hard to believe, but these are all true stories. And although they are ancient stories, they hold some very important lessons for us, even in our modern times. And speaking of modern times, you know, there's no doubt, uh, I think for, for all of us in, in, in our minds, there's no doubt that our modern times are evil times. We're living in an age in which sin has increased exponentially. In fact, Jesus said that in the last days, there would be an increase in wickedness and lawlessness. And he said that the love of many as a result would grow cold. And I think we're seeing that where wickedness is increasing and love is growing cold. There's hate. There's division. There's anger. And then there's, there's despair. There's, there's hopelessness. Jesus said that many people, and he, he predict, predicted this in Matthew 24, he said that many people would turn away from the faith and would betray and hate each other. And we see these things happening and, and uh, many other things that were prophesied by Jesus and were prophesied by the apostles. We see these things happening today. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said that these last days would be perilous times, would be dangerous times. Because even followers of Jesus would be uh, deceived. Even followers of Jesus would be deceived and would be, would be sucked into the beliefs and the actions of this evil age that we're living in today. And we certainly see that happen. We, we see people who at one time were followers of Jesus, at one time were uh, living out the principles that are found in God's word. And then there came a time, usually not overnight, but there came a time through a process of them uh, maybe turning away from God. There, there came a time where they completely turned away from the faith and they began to uh, not just disbelieve the principles of God's word, but in many cases to even uh, protest and to preach against them. And every time I see this happening, every time I see someone who at one time was a follower of Christ, but has turned away from God, has turned away from the faith, it breaks my heart, breaks my heart, because it doesn't have to be this way. It does not have to be this way. Because what we're going to learn today is, is that uh, God wants to deliver us from evil. He wants to deliver us from this evil age in which we're living. And as I said, I don't think I need to convince any of you that we're living in an evil age. That we're living in a time where people uh, call what's right wrong. And what's wrong, they call it right. But here's what, what Paul wrote to the Galatians. In Galatians 1, verses 3 and 4, we read this. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us 
from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so this is why Jesus died on the cross that he might rescue us from this evil age. We don't have to turn away from the faith. We don't have to leave God and, and be, uh, become a part of this evil age because Jesus died that he, we might be rescued from this. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray, deliver us from evil. Some translations say deliver, deliver us from the evil one and both are, are correct. And I think we should pray that every day. Right after we pray, uh, Lord, uh, forgive us our debts and give us this day our daily bread, we should pray and deliver us from evil. Rescue us from this present evil age. So as I reflected on that this week, I, I, I wondered and I thought, so how does God do this? How does God deliver us from evil? How does he rescue us from this present evil age? And there, there are various Directions we could go with this, but uh, what I want to talk to you about today is this, that, and this is really the big idea of what, what I want to talk to you about today, is that one of the ways that God rescues us from this present evil age is through His Word. One of the ways that He does it does this, is through His Word. In fact, here's what Jesus prayed. Go with me to John 17, John 17, 15. Here's uh, Jesus' prayer for His disciples and, and by extension for us today. John 17, 15 reads like this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Not that you take them out, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And then look at this. Verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So he says, I'm not asking you to take them out, but to protect them from evil. And the way you do this is by sanctifying them by your truth. And your word is truth. God's word is truth. And it's God's word that sanctifies us and keeps us from the world. It's God's word that rescues us from this present evil age. And that's really the lesson that we learn in today's ancient story. It's a story of a young king. In fact, this is a king who uh, began to reign as king in Judah when he was only eight years old. Can you imagine that? A nation that has a king who is only a reigning king who is only eight years old. Let's read about this in Second Kings 22. Follow along with me. The first two verses Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, if you've been tracking with us, if you've been going with us through this series and the different stories of the different kings that we've read, then immediately you see something different about this king. Most kings that we've read about, with maybe just a couple of exceptions, most of the kings we've read about have been evil kings, have been wicked kings. But we read here that he did, Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. 
Now, Josiah was a king of Judah from approximately 640 to 609 B.C. I've been telling you that this is during the divided kingdom. Initially, Israel was, was just one nation. But after the reign of Solomon, who was the third king, uh, there was a split in, in, in the nation of Israel. And so there were 12 tribes originally. Ten of the tribes became the northern kingdom, which retained the name of Israel. Two of the tribes became the southern kingdom, which went by the name of, of Judah. And so Josiah was a king of Judah. He was the son of King Ammon and the grandson of King Manasseh. And both of these men, his father and his grandfather, grandfather had been wicked kings of Judah. And yet Josiah was, was a godly king. Even though he didn't have good examples from his ancestors. And even though he was only a child of eight years of age when he became king. And he became king when his father was assassinated. Yet he was a godly king. And the highlight, there are many, many good aspects to his kingdom, but the highlight of Josiah's reign was when the law of the Lord was discovered. It had been lost, it had been neglected, it had been ignored, but it was rediscovered, actually. And uh, it was this discovery that brought about revival, revival in Judah. Now, as I said, because of his ancestors, Josiah lived in an evil age. It was an evil age, not unlike our age today. His grandfather, grandfather Manasseh, had been one of the most wicked kings in the history of Judah. He took his nation into even worse sins than the Canaanites that Israel had dispossessed. The Canaanites that Israel had conquered to get into the land in the first place. Those had been some wicked nations, pagan nations. Well, these were the people of God, and, and now this king took him into even worse sins than those Canaanite nations. Now Manasseh did repent at the end of his life because, because he was captured by the Assyrians. The Assyrians captured, initially captured the northern kingdom, then they captured, captured the southern kingdom, they captured um, Manasseh, and um, they, put a, they put a ring through his nose. And now, not the way some people do it now, to look good. It was a big ring, and they led him like an animal. They led him around. They mocked him with his ring through his nose. And so he repented. But even though he repented, he could not undo the damage he had done to his nation. Because how many of you know that it's much easier to get into sin than to get out? It's much easier to lead people into sin than it is to lead them out again. And then Josiah's father, the wicked Ammon, uh, reigned only for two years before he was assassinated. And he, he reestablished the, the evil and the pagan practices of his father's earlier years. And so it was a, a wicked culture, it was an evil age. And this is when jo Josiah began to reign as a mere eight-year-old. So the most probable consequence, we would think, would be for Josiah to fall into the ways of his father and the ways of his grandfather. But something happened. He was different. In fact, the, the parallel account of this story is found in 2 Chronicles 34. And 2 Chronicles 34 tells us that when Josiah was 16 years old, still a teenager, he began to seek God. Look at this, 2 Chronicles 34.3. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he was still a teenager, he was 16. Do we have any 16-year-olds here? 
<laughs> this, this guy was 39 last week, and he's 16 this week, so he's going backwards. That's a miracle. <laughs> he was 16 years old while he was still young. He began, look at this, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Now, this is amazing to me because Josiah had no template for doing this. His ancestors had been wicked men and evil kings, yet something about Josiah stirred him to seek God. Maybe he knew just enough history to know of David, even though, as we're about to learn, he was missing a major component of this history because the book of the law was missing. But when he was still a teenager, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Now, two quick lessons to note from this. And and this is important. For all of us, but especially to, for our, our, our young people. The first one is this. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord early in life. If you can. Josiah was 16 when he began to seek the Lord. He was not from a godly home. He lived in, a, in an evil age. And yet he began seeking God during his teen years. And he never turned away. We've read about so many kings who started out well, but didn't finish well. Right? Uh, two weeks ago, we read about, we studied about King Jehu, who, who started out great. And I'm in his corner saying, yes, go King Jehu. But then he, at the end of his life, he didn't end well. But this young man, 16 years old, he began to seek God and he never stopped. And that takes me to the, the second uh, lesson for us is, Seek Him early in life and never stop seeking Him. Get started and don't stop. See, a lot of people have this erroneous belief that teenagers have to go through a phase of rebellion. I mean, sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where even Christian parents expect their teenagers to rebel against God and against the church and against them. And even some kids feel like, you know, they're not well adjusted if they don't, Go out and experience the world for a little bit. If they don't go out and sow some wild oats. And that's just not true. That's just not true. I want every young person to hear this. Most of our youth are in camp. But I want every person, young person to hear this. Whether you're here today or listening uh, through the podcast. I want you to hear this. Even if you come from a bad home. Even if you live in an evil world. Which you do. You can seek God Early in your life. You'll never regret avoiding sin. Young people, you'll never regret avoiding drugs or drinking. Or you'll never regret sexual immorality in your youth. Because, because sin always leaves scars. And I thank God for the young people who have been taught by their parents to seek God. Or maybe they weren't even taught by their parents. But they began to seek God. And, and they served Him. And they followed Him. And they sought Him. All the days of their lives. I think those young people end up being well adjusted. They don't need to go out and experience the world to think like, okay, I'm, now I'm back and now I'm better because I went out and I came back. That doesn't make any sense. So seek him early in life. Never stop seeking him. This verse that we read in Second Chronicles says that he began to seek God. Because seeking God is a lifelong process. You don't just try it out half-heartedly for a few months and they say, you know what, Uh, I tried church, I tried seeking God. It just, it doesn't work. Walking with God and, and learning His ways is a lifetime process. 
We do this the rest of our lives. And yes, you'll go through some dry times. You'll go through some difficult times. You'll be tempted to turn to the world. Satan will make sure you're tempted to leave the faith, to turn to the world for pleasure. You'll be tempted to give up on the Bible because, you know, the Bible is just, uh, it's just a book written by man and uh, it doesn't work and it's not for modern times. But always remember what you really need is the Lord and seek Him always. Whatever problems you have, let those problems drive you to God. Seek Him through His Word. Trust Him. You know, the renewing of our minds that, that Paul writes about, that God wants to affect on us, the renewing of our minds through the Word of God, through the Scriptures, isn't a quick fix. We've got to run the, with endurance the race that is set before us. So he began, Josiah began to seek God when it was only... 16 years old. And then when he was 26, he raised money to repair the temple. Remember that the temple was in disrepair from previous kings. So he raised money to repair the temple. And during the repairs, something amazing happened. During the time of repairs, something happened that changed the direction of his life and the direction of the, uh, the life of the nation of Judah. Josiah sent the court secretary, a man by the name of Shaphan. He, he sent the court secretary to go see the high priest, whose name was Hilkiah, because Hilkiah had the money that had been raised for the temple repairs. And so Josiah get Shaf, gave Shaphan instructions for Hilkiah and how to use the money, how, how to pay the workers, and you know, what to do with the money. And so Hilkiah went. Uh, or Shaphan went to Hilkiah, and Hilkiah did as the king had said. And then this happened. Okay, So look at uh, 2 Kings 22, verse 8. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king. And it's almost like, like, oh, I almost forgot. By the way, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. He's given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. So that Hilkiah was the one who was overseeing the funds and the work of the repair of the temple. And he found the book of the law and he gave it to the secretary. The secretary came and gave a report to Josiah. Everything is going well at the temple. They're working. They're paying the workers. Everything's fine. Uh, anything else? No, that's it. Oh, oh, I almost forgot. Hilkiah found this book and he gave it to the king. And, and so the king had Shaphan read it. And when Shaphan began to read this and Josiah heard the words from the book of the law, the words of God for his people. He was shocked. He was shocked. He was taken aback. He had never heard these words. This was God's word to the nation of Judah, the nation of Israel. This was his special communication to them. And he as a king had never heard these words. He had never read these words. And when he began to hear the words of the book of the law, he immediately, the Bible says that he tore his clothes. He tore his robes, which was a sign of repentance. Look at verse 11. 
When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, uh, Hikam son of, she- of Shaphan. And he said, verse 13, to this, this uh, group of men, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. And so he immediately repented. He tore his clothes and repents. And he said, go find out. We need somebody who can interpret, who can tell us what to do. What does this mean and what do we do next? You know, one of the functions of God's word is exactly this. Is that God's word exposes the things in our lives that are displeasing to God. That's why I love Josiah's response when he heard this. He, he, didn't, he didn't try to explain the word, to, or try to explain away, rather, the word of God as, as many people do today when they read something that God may, may want to use to expose sin in their life. And they say, well, no, that doesn't mean the same thing now that it meant back then. Or no, that was just written by man. That's not God. Try to explain away God's word. Josiah didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't excuse his behavior. He could have said, well, I, I didn't know because... My father and and my my grandfather, my ancestors, it's their fault. It's not my fault. He didn't do that. He repented himself and he led his nation. He led the nation of Judah in a time of of, uh, national repentance. He acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged their sin and repented uh, before God. This is what what Jesus taught when, when he said, you remember when Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, he said, and throw it away. Wow, that's kind of drastic. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and, and throw it away. He said, because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus was saying, look, deal with your sin radically because it has eternal consequences. To the woman who was caught in adultery, he said, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Now go and leave your your life of sin. Deal with your sin radically. When Jesus said, gouge out your eye if it's causing you to sin. Cut off your your right arm uh, if it's causing you to, to sin. Or your right hand. Of course, he doesn't, didn't mean that literally. He was saying, you got to deal with your sin radically. And that's what Josiah did. And that's what we should do. That's what we should do. But you know, that won't happen if we have laid God's word aside in our lives, just like the nation of Judah had done. If we have neglected God's word, if we continue to neglect God's word, we're not going to feel compelled to repent of our sin And to reject a life of sin. You know, God uses His Word, as we saw at the beginning. God uses His Word to deliver us from evil in our world. But what if we're ignoring God's Word? What if the Bible is lost in our lives? Maybe we have a copy somewhere. Lying around in the living room or in the bedroom. Somewhere we've got a copy of the Bible. But what if it's in effect, lost in our life because we never access God's message for us in His Word. 
We don't read it. We don't study. We don't practice it. Many people in our country have access to God's word. Here in this country, finding a Bible is easy. It's on our phones now. But God's word is lost in their lives. They've laid it aside. They've ignored it. They've neglected it. And consequently, they have no power over sin and and no access to God's power to deliver them from evil. That's why we see children reject the beliefs that they received when they were children. And then they grow up to be teenagers and young adults. And they reject the beliefs that they received as children. They turn away from the faith. Like King Josiah and the people of Judah. We've got to rediscover God's word in our lives. I remember clearly the, the, the first Bible that I, I bought. And I bought this with my parents' money. But uh, I, was, uh, I was in elementary school. And uh, probably upper elementary. And this is back in the days when we used to walk to school. Remember those days? We just walked to school. We'd walk a mile, I think. I don't know. Uh, and uh, it was safe. And so on my way, on our way to school, there was a Christian bookstore. It was called The Good Book. The name of the man who owned this uh, business was uh, Frank Field. He was a godly man, Christian Methodist man and uh, a good man. And uh, so he sold books in, in you know, it was a Bible bookstore in English and in Spanish. So it's a good book slash El Buen Libro was a Spanish name. And so I wanted a Bible. My mom saved up some money and uh, she, she gave me the money. I went to school that day with the money for a Bible in my pocket. I was so excited. I remember being you know, out in the playground and I didn't want to run because I had the money in my pocket. I forget how much it, it was, but I had it in my pocket. I could not wait. For after school, so I could stop on the way home at the good book and buy a Bible. And so the time came, school let let out, and I walked home, and I stopped. I went in, and I talked to uh, Brother Field, Frank Field, and uh, I told him, I want to buy a Bible. So I I think he asked me what kind of Bible you want. I just mean there's more than one. So uh, he says, well, let me show you. So he took out... I remember this so clearly. He took out a, a King James Bible and uh, nothing against King James. You know, he was just saying, look, here's what this reads like. And he began to read from Matthew 1, the, uh, the genealogy, right, the, all the genealogies. And, and he read three or four verses and I'm going, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. I'm like, what? He says, okay, now that's that. And then he took out a paperback copy of the Good News Bible. Y'all ever... Y'all ever I have the Good News Bible. It had little drawings, little stick figures, you know. So it was, it was great. You know, he said, look, this has drawings. And he says, now look at the way this reads. And he read Matthew 1.1. And instead of so-and-so begat, so-and-so was like, so-and-so was a son of so-and-so who was a son of so-and-so. I said, okay, I understand that. He said, well, that's the difference. I said, that's the one I want. Plus, I could afford that. And so I took, I took the Bible home. And, and that was the first Bible that I actually bought. I guess it wasn't with my own money, but still I felt like I had... Bought that myself, and uh, and I'm I'm thankful to God for, for parents who taught me, uh, like many of you were taught by your parents to love God and to love His Word. I remember my dad saying this time after time. He would say this. You might have heard this from other people as well, but he would say, "God's Word will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from God's Word." 
He would say that whenever he would give out a Bible as a part of a, maybe a wedding ceremony or a quinceanera. We would do the quinceaneras. And, and uh, yeah, I think what, what he was saying was that God's word protects us from evil. But we've got to read it. We've got to practice it. When we center our lives around its teaching, its teachings, God's word protects us from evil. He rescues us from this evil age. It's not magical. It's not like we read it like it's magic and suddenly, poof, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're free from sin. But it is transformative. It changes us. It empowers us to say no to sin. So as I uh, conclude this morning, let me, let me leave with you three takeaways. How, how can we rediscover God's word in our lives? How can you rediscover God's word in your life? First of all, I would say begin by reading it daily. Read the Bible daily. Read the Bible every day if you can. Now, again, you know, if you happen to miss a day because, oh, you overslept and you got to get to work. I mean, that, don't be legalistic about it, but don't feel condemned because oh, I, I forgot to read this morning. But if you can get into a pattern, get into a pattern where it's second nature, where you get up and, and, and you spend time reading God's word. That's a great beginning if we want God's word to rescue us from this present evil age. I remember well, so clearly. Sister Emma telling me, she and I had many conversations over the years. And I remember one time she told me that she had told Anthony to read the Bible. Anthony, you know, we're talking this morning about how we remember seeing Anthony when he was about Aiden's age. So he was about three or four years old. And he would go with Sister Emma to all the sectional fellowships, all the confraternidades. She'd be there at every one of them. And uh, he was always with her with his toys and stuff. And so... Being the oldest grandchild, you know, he was, I know he was special. And, and so she told me one time, I tell Anthony, this is now Anthony's an adult. Now he's married, right? She told me, uh, this probably within the last couple of years, she told me, I tell Anthony, read the Bible, Anthony, and not that one that you have on your phone. No, read the real Bible. <laughs> and when she told me that, I, I briefly, I had a, a, a fleeting thought of, well, Sister Emma, the one he has on his phone is a real Bible. It's just a different format. But I didn't say that because I knew what she meant and I agreed with her. I said, you know what? You're right, Sister Emma, because uh, when I read the Bible from my phone, then I'm tempted to go to another app to check Facebook or whatever. And, and this is why I've learned to, when I read the Bible at home, I use a hard copy. I, I use a digital copy if I'm out and about and I need to look up a verse. And, and uh, sometimes I use digital copy for sermon prep. Uh, but when my devotional time, I like to use a hard copy because I don't want to be distracted. So it's like, yeah, you're right, Sister Emma. Get the real one. But I loved, you know, what, what she was saying to him was like, Anthony, read the Bible. You need that in your life. And so I'm saying to you today what Sister Emma believed. Read the Bible every day. That's a great beginning. But I would also say to you, like Josiah, learn from spiritually mature believers. Learn from spiritually mature believers. Uh, we, we read that Josiah sent a delegation to see a prophet by the name of, of Huldah. And uh, female, you know, it, and I'm so glad that in the Assemblies of God, since our beginning, we've ordained women ministers. And so here's this woman. She's a prophet or a prophetess. And Josiah sent a delegation of men to her to go hear from God, to, to give them an explanation of the meaning behind what they had read in the book of the law. 
Because, you know, we grow by reading and by studying personally, but we can also learn from others who might help us to understand things that we've missed. And we can also contribute to someone else's spiritual growth when we don't isolate ourselves. And this is why I believe that one of the functions of the church is, is to gather people for the teaching of God's word so together we can grow. You know, God has stewarded, God has stewarded the, the message that sets people free. God has stewarded the message that rescues people from this present evil age in the church. We're stewards of the word of God. And so this is why it's so important that we, we, we practice coming to church to study God's word together, where it's on, whether it's Sunday or on Wednesday, to learn from each other, to learn from others who maybe are further ahead spiritually than we are. Or maybe if we're further ahead than others, we can teach them. But let's learn from other believers, from spiritually mature believers. And then finally, I think that what we learn from Josiah is to live out the principles taught in God's word. Live them out. Be a doer of God's word. Not just a, a listener. Not just a hearer. Put it into practice. This is what James said in James 1.22. James 1.22 says. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. But do what it says. Don't just listen. And deceive yourselves. But do what it says. You know not put it into Practice what you learn, James is saying, is self-deception. When you learn something, but then you don't turn around and put it into practice, that's self-deception. James says, if you read the next verses from there, he says that it's like looking at yourselves in the mirror. Get up in the morning, you see yourself in the mirror, and then you walk away, and as soon as you walk away, you forget what you look like. It's like you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, oh, I need to comb my hair, I need to, well, I bet you, I need to clean my face. But then you walk away and you're like, oh, everything's fine, I look great. You forgot that you didn't look all that great when you just saw yourself in the mirror. We would never do that, right? We would never look at, at ourselves in the mirror when we get up in the morning and then convince, our, convince ourselves that we look just fine and head off to work just like that. No. One, one day when I was still teaching, I got up and went to work. Got up and I remember I, you know, I took a shower that morning, got dressed, and uh, at breakfast, do the things I normally do. Then I went to work. Went to, I was teaching at two schools at the time, and so I went to my morning classes. I taught all morning. I went to the other school. I taught one class, and then I had lunch. I had a late lunch. And so during lunchtime, after I ate, I stepped into the bathroom on my way out. As I'm looking in the mirror, before, before I went out, I washed my hands. I look up, and I went, oh, my word. I had not combed my hair that morning after I took a shower. Got out of the shower, dried my hair, and I went to work like that all morning. And, and one, one class, you know, late, late morning. Well, all morning in one school, then another school, one class. Why didn't anybody say anything to me? You know, it's kids. High school kids normally are, you know, they're pretty. You know, they don't mind telling you when you don't dress right and whatever, you know. Nobody said a word to me. Maybe they thought I was being cool, like, oh. He's an old fogey, but he's got his hair, you know, sticking up. I don't know what it was, but we would never do that on purpose, would we? I certainly didn't do it on purpose. So I would say to you, don't deceive yourselves. Learn to apply God's word in your life. You need to devote time to reading and to studying it. Don't ignore it. Don't neglect it. You know, God sent revival to Judah during Josiah's time as king because they rediscovered the book of the law. Because 
He repented, led the nation in repentance, and because they put it into practice. And I want to tell you today that God will send revival to you in your life. If you're feeling dry, if you're feeling dead, if you're feeling like you're a slave to a sinful habit in your life, you need God. God will send revival to you, to your family. He'll send revival to this church. He'll send revival to this nation, and we need it. But we must do the same thing. We must rediscover God's word in our lives. We must repent of our sin. We must read God's word and put it into practice every day. And I believe that that's what God is calling us to do.